0: This season, turn it up to 10. Sort of like a bad habit, we gon' do it again. Ready or not, we're going to tie some ends. Go tell a 36, try to grab all the friends. We're back like we never left. On track like a treble clef. Skip a beat on the seventh rest. Bring feasts, we don't pass them over. We got the first fruits, no way to show us can't live on that bread alone every word of god's mouth will fuel me on that's scripture that's christ alone that's grace alone that's faith alone all glory to god cause that's his alone since the land has been slain we can each belong the lord is my strength my peace and my song And i lay it all down at the feet of his throne. this yoke is easy this burns light even with a loud mouth trying to eat at the mic even if we down south the humidity spike fails torn in tubes so we going be all right all grace to the hop goes off Heretics better run till the top blows off Got them all stood still like a jaw full of Botox on to bring them down like a jaw on a blow pop Don't stop, they're in need of it though Through grace by faith they could easily grow New wave, new age, new way to see bro Now one truth life, one way to his throne son it's a year with the feast we can grow some Son, it's time to leave home I'm just saying There's a time in the season You gotta be a Berean If you just hear him Believe it You could be walking with demons It could be rendering season. All the things that go to God That's a little like treason Wait Welcome back my friends Did you ever really think We could pass the 10 Our stock's up We about to trend Cause the whole 36 Wanna rap again Wait Sounds so good to be true Like we're been in Candyland Ain't no ladders Just shoot We hold true If it's loaded in the cannon Best believers understanding If it's not it ain't proof Like sacred name Of the two house frame E.S. start to tickle Then you fill it in the planks You better not you be better off. Not trying to hassle hot. You can take it to the bank. That's night ready. He's about to go off. Put the ring on your finger from the cracker jack box. It's hide and seek. Let's see if you can find out all the little messages he hit before the timeout. Ever seen a scholar with a blue belt? I have he's about to make your food melt. The loud one and he strikes again. But don't let him close range, he gon' bite your friends. So relax, gotta still in control. He knows every care, every bit that you hold. He knows every hair, every need for your soul. Nothing new round here. This story's been told. I bet you feel weak and your life is in tatters with Bruce your body is battered You can't reach trying to climb up that ladder Sit back and hold fast The Messiah Matters These guys
1: It is Wednesday, January tenth, twenty twenty-four. This is Messiah Matters number four five seven. My beard isn't as nice as Rob's today. My name is Caleb Hag.
2: Oh, you got me. See, you just set me up. And I guess my beard
1: is better than Caleb's today. I'm right. That's right. Rob was telling me how he just gave himself. He was he was late to the to the party because he was trimming his beard up looking good my man looking slick number three man (laughs) ah there you go all right there's this funny it's from shrek
2: it um and what is it uh he has to pick like which of the, the the king like which uh of the damsels in distress he's gonna pick and he's like pick three my lord and he's holding up number two you know, like, Pick three, but it's funny that my wife says pick number three, my lord. <laughs> She's talking about
1: <laughs> that's that's where she likes it right there. <laughs> well, hey everyone, welcome. It looks like I mean normally at this point in the uh, in the broadcast we we got people trickling in and we had a, a good showing already in the chat room trickle, but now trickling. but now it's holding fast. <clears throat> so. Might be a small crowd day, we don't know, but we're happier with us nonetheless, no matter what. Uh, welcome to everybody in the chat room, and welcome to everyone who's watching this or listening to this at a later time. If you want to be a part of the conversation today or any day, you can shoot us an email, chegg at C-H-E-G-G at TorahResource.com. You can also... Call our comment, line 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. You won't talk to us. You just talk to an answering machine. Tell us how much you love us, hate us, disagree with us, agree with us, whatever you want. You can tell us just about anything. We listen to all of them. All right. We do need your content, by the way. It's what drives this show. So get those emails typing. Get those fingers dialing. Uh, MessiahMatters.com. You can hear all past shows. If you want to read the lyrics of our intro song, you can do so there as well. You can also uh, buy merch which I think you should probably think about. Why wouldn't you? And then uh, also, if you wanna become a a producer, uh, an associate producer, an executive producer, you can do that there as well. Finally, and last but certainly not least, uh, speaking of producers, this show is produced by tourresource.com. Go to tourresource for all sorts of wonderful different resources. There will be another uh, resource for a festival, a micro or mini course coming up in the library micro, by our micro micro course by our, by our very own Rob. Not Van to be House. confused with the Dirty Jobs guy Micro. Uh uh-huh, ha, yes. Or or a uh, deadly I sketch. Can t- Folks, I can tell the dad jokes are strong with this one today. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, tour to resource, go there. Rob will be doing a uh, a perm micro. Well, you've heard, you know,
2: micro's brother is Mac macro.
1: Oh, dude, dude, dude. Okay. Make sure, make sure, make sure. They do run high with this one. <laughs> yeah. Subscribe and like. That's what we need you to do: subscribe and like. All right, let's put a little thing up there. All right, hey, slam now. that like button. <laughs> That's <laughs> or smash. What do they say? Smash it. Smash it. The kids today, <laughs> the kids say smash it, dude. I got an eleven-year-old, and uh, I'm learning all of the 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 high school slang now. The 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 middle school slang. It's pretty pretty. Interesting. Do they use rad anymore? No, no. It's totally me? rad. My son <laughs> told me the the other day that he wants to become a jigger. Giga- what was it, a, a, a Giga-Chad, that's what it is, a, a Giga-Chad. And I was What's like, that? I have no clue what you're talking about. And then he showed me a picture of a guy who was extremely muscular. That's a giga a, a Giga-Chad? Giga yeah, anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh the slang <laughs> hey, of the kids you, we gotta, this, is,
2: this is an example of why the Bible needs to be translated again and again and again, right? The, the work of translation is not ever finished.
1: I agree with you, but if if the if a translation ever comes out that calls Samson a Giga Chad, I'm going to be upset. All right, that's all there is to it.
2: <laughs> hey, okay. Yeah, I mean, it might need to be maybe a you know a targeted you know teen Bible or something. You know,
1: with certain stories. They have those, and they're awful. There's a
2: surfer, There's a <laughs> surfer's Bible. So bad,
1: like surfers. I mean, the Adventure Bible, we have that. We've had that before. We got rid of it. What else have we had? We've had. you yeah. had
2: the, you had What's the one where they build? It's like Lego, but virtual Lego.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had the Lego Bible, yeah. But Lego, but wasn't there <coughs> a Minecraft Bible? <laughs> we had There's a what? Minecraft Bible as well. Yeah, that's right. We've had a lot of them, uh, you know, just trying to go through, just, just trying to get the kids interested. But here's the thing is that um, in all of those, it doesn't matter what Bible you have. Okay, we're on a tangent, but I'm going to go on it.
0: It doesn't There's matter the what cho- Bible.
1: the chosen Bible. Oh my gosh! It, it doesn't matter what Bible you ha- have. If you <laughs> don't have it done by a committee, it's going to be bad. Case in point: Okay, there are major theological decisions that are made in the Adventure Bible, especially when rendering into visual. Like uh, exactly, right? oh, because man. the
2: Bible gave us words to hear and to think yeah. about, not. God didn't give us – unless you're into Paleo-Hebrew, then he gave us stick uh, cartoons.
1: Right. Stick but figure cartoons. But the point – I, I think actually the Lego Bible was even worse. I, I remember opening the Lego Bible and, fli- and, you know, I never I never give my kids one of those kind of Bibles unless I flip through it first and see exactly what's Dude, going on.
2: I have it. Sorry. <laughs> the Lego Paleo-Hebrew Bible. <laughs> so, like, you have a head. You have, like, a spear and the snake. Like, all the little – what you need – okay, someone do this every letter of the paleo hebrew like you know whoever teaches that that each is a symbol that's what we need We're like a lego piece for the a lego hebrew alphabet
1: i'm saying man uh, well do you remember uh, a house man, you know just a little lego we? house we are off and we are off in no man's land <laughs> that's okay do you remember when i do you remember when i had fun and i and i uh, i took a, a i made an emoji for every word <laughs> or for I think it was for every letter, and then, oh and yeah then, yeah it's emoji it, Bible there it was might and, be and an then, emoji Bible out there. and then I translated Genesis one one through like ten or something like that with a emo- with emojis one for every letter yeah it was interesting anyway okay I actually learned like a bunch of new insights into the Torah after studying that. love is bigger says i vote stick figures now i'm hoping that my sound effects are working today let's just make sure uh, that they are let's see here
2: read your bible is interpreted by experts weights and measures
1: you've been blessed
2: all right thank you for the super chat we appreciate it you know you have to be able to laugh you know, I, it's just the thing. You got to be able to laugh at yourself and okay, so other, uh, other people.
1: <laughs> we got to <behead> hit other people. <laughs> no. Okay, no, I mean uh, if you if you
2: can laugh at yourself, you can laugh at you know, you can laugh. So Tim
1: in the chat room asks a great question. Does Torah resource or Messiah matters have a Torah observant catechism? The answer to that is no, I have (laughs) now, uh, this is a project that was actually started and we've been sent several catechisms before. Unfortunately, in my personal opinion, there have been problems with the catechisms that people have sent to us. And uh, I, the, the other problem is is that when people send us catechisms, they want us to accept them hands down. They don't really want us to be like, ah, Oh, this is a problem or, Oh, we don't think that this is right here because then they get really offended when we do that. So we just don't even comment on the catechisms that are sent to us anymore because that has happened too many times. With that said, um, uh, what I did was because of, because of those instances, I took the 1689 Baptist confession and I, uh, I had, I made it into a project and went through and I noted every place. Actually, what I did was I either noted or I took out or I changed every place that I disagreed with. Now there wasn't a lot of them. There's only about 13 or 14 of them, maybe even less than that, 12 of them. And, uh, then I noted in the, uh, the pre, uh, in the introduction, I guess, every single change that I made on what page on what, uh, on what, you know, doctrine and so, so on and so forth and why I did that. Now, obviously the next step is the catechism and uh, it's a big project. It is a very, very large project because it, it, you really do have to think about some things. You know, they at the time that the 1689 Baptist Confession was written, the uh, the the Pope was was seen as the Antichrist by most of Christendom, and uh, so you know they and that's written into the confession. So you that know, those been, can,
2: and that was for a couple hundred years because I mean Luther came out
1: point blank, uh, you know, with that. So yep, that's so, the anyway, century. Uh, you know, and, and not only that, but the, the other thing is, is that this is not necessarily for catechisms. Catechisms can be uh, universal, I would suppose. But ultimately, the, um, the, the confessions are made for a certain group in a certain time in a certain place. And as soon as you try to take them out of that time and place and uh, that people group and put them into a different people group, you're going to have disagreements. Which is fine. And so, uh, and we also, man, we, what time is it? We still haven't even gotten to anything. That's okay. Zumbi in the chat room says, this was sent to me by a fellow brother on a discussion we had on separating the law into three parts. If the laws aren't categorically separate, then what did Jesus fulfill? You must do the whole law to be justified or not at all to stand to reason that you can't pick and choose what to obey. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't think, so this is probably one of the things that, that, uh, sets, uh, Rob and I apart. I don't think that any of the tours done away with, including the ceremonial, the so-called ceremonial laws. Um, the problem that anybody, now I just got done reading Bonson's, uh, Greg Bonson's work, uh, by this standard. I gave it three stars. I gave it three stars because he has out strokes of. Of, out of five. Because okay, he thank has you. he has strokes of brilliance, and I do mean that literally. I mean he it's like you'll read uh, you know a couple paragraphs and be like, "Man, I cannot believe this guy is so right on." But then he takes an entire portion of the book to try to uh, describe why, <clears throat> excuse me, the ceremonial quote unquote ceremonial laws are done away with. He also takes a uh, he just contradicts himself left and right in, in the book. So the only reason that I, I even gave it three stars is because of the strokes of brilliance, but. Um, he talks about arguments like, you know, people argue that the Torah is not broken up into cer- civil, ceremonial, or moral. And then he gives all these reasons and he brings up some decent uh, arguments, but, the, but he doesn't even uh, attempt to touch on the fact that there are a significant amount of, of commandments that would fall into either two, two different categories or would cross over into all three categories at certain times. Um, and I've done a, a, uh, a video on this on pronomian.com. So the, the point is the law is not to be justified. And the, so, so the, the, let's read Zumbi's uh, comment here again. If the law, the laws aren't categorically separate, then what did Jesus fulfill? You must do the whole law to be justified. No, you will never be justified by doing the law. That the idea that you are justified in any way, shape or form or that anyone has ever been justified in any way, shape or form is wrong. Let's, let's pretend for a few seconds. <clears throat> pretend with me, fr- friends. Let's pretend that I am a perfect person. I've never sinned. Okay, no, right? I'm glad I wasn't actually sipping yeah. right there. I, yeah, exactly. Was, yeah. Well, not, not only that, but, but that remember, we're, we're in extreme imaginary land here, right? <laughs> okay, so let's pretend that I'm the perfect person. I've never sinned in my life, okay? And uh, I've never broken the law. Does that mean I'm saved? The answer is no, because I am a, a child of Adam. Adam sinned. All men have fallen short of the glory of God, no matter what. It doesn't matter if you think that you've kept the law perfectly or not. You have fallen short because you are a creature well, from and the it's dirt. Not a, justification is
2: not a self-assessment checklist. Agreed. But the point is, is that... Hey, I look at... I did that check. I did that check. It's, it's, it's God's there, assessment of... It is, it, was, a mis, is,
1: it, it is a misconception. It is a misconception to think that God gave the Torah so that people, if they did it perfectly, they'd be justified. That is not why God gave the Torah. Man fell. I like,
2: I like how James puts it. He says the Torah is like a mirror so that we see what kind of people we are. <laughs> right. Right. And that, and that's not a good thing. I mean, that's not what he, he doesn't imagine us going, oh, hey, I'm, I sure am. Look, at, you, I must've used a number three. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's not that. No. The mirror of the Torah is to remind us we are in
1: Adam. That's, that's it. And, and so, uh, Justification never comes through any keeping of the Torah. It never could, it never would. That was not the point of the Torah. We are justified by faith in Christ. The Torah is the stipulations of a covenant relationship with God. Well, That's it has to do
2: with God's character. God um, when He says, I am, I will be whom I will be, right? Who I will be. And then in later Nexus says, I will show compassion upon whom I will show compassion, I will show mercy upon whom I will show mercy. The point is, our acceptability before God is not a result of us doing something to please Him. It, otherwise, that's that's that exchange where I do something in a what they, what Paul would call like works, a works righteousness kind of model. I I do something for you, and then we have some agreement that you're gonna, you know, pay me back, pay me or whatever, or compensate me. That that's not the right um, model for understanding our relationship with God. The righteousness that God declares is solely by his sovereign um choice. It's 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 not caused or and it's not a response to human works at all. Uh, that's why he says, I, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. In other words, he doesn't ask anybody's opinion, he doesn't seek External counsel. He doesn't hire consultants as to who he's going to justify. Yeah, he doesn't have a council of gods that
1: he's he's consulting oh, with no. to figure it out. Yeah, so that so here's so, um, here's the, so here's yeah, the
2: other is, and that's why faith. That's why it. I mean, the core. It's such a beautiful. It's such a beautiful truth that is so profound, and it and it only shows the glory and might of Yeshua our Savior. I mean, and. And it's hard for me to understand why there are streams of Christianity that don't, they they just kick against it. I I don't, and I, I don't understand.
1: Bonson has another problem. He continues to say that uh, God's holiness, the, the Torah reflects God's holiness. I completely agree with that. Absolutely. And, and I and I think that the majority, I would say probably 95 to 99% of, of mainstream Christian preachers, teachers, scholars are going to say the exact same thing, that the Torah was a reflection and is a reflection of God's holiness. The question that Bonson never a- answers is, well, if that's the case, then why did he get rid of part of his holiness? If the yeah. ceremonial laws are a reflection of his holiness, right. now all, all of a, a sudden... That's
2: a great, concise way to put it.
1: Now all of a sudden, what God's holy—that part of God's holiness—doesn't matter anymore. Okay, but that's a good we. Way to we put have it. now been talking for twenty-one minutes. We still haven't even looked at uh, anything that we want to get to today. Maybe we'll have to change the description of this uh, of this video. That's that's fine. I got a text message this last week from uh, a brother in the Lord, a friend, and a brother, and he uh, he asked this. This is the first text. Now we went back and forth a little bit on this. He's not asking because he thinks this, but he's debating with someone. And this brought up my uh, work on meals in the Greco-Roman world. Pardon me, give me just one second. Okay, this is what he says. Does scripture differentiate between grape juice and wine? Example, wetting water turned into wine. Welches or alcohol okay now we've mm-hmm. talked about the notion of should uh, believers drink alcohol uh, and we touched on this in that discussion that was I don't know a year two years three years something like that ago anyway the answer is no there is no differentiation because I don't think that uh, grape juice was prevalent in my opinion I don't think that grape juice was something that people were uh, were really Carrying around
2: in leather, leather. uh,
1: Yeah, exactly. uh, Skins. I don't. think there's
2: there's no refrigerators, right? Like, like, unless they carried around grape, fresh grapes, and then they, hey, just, just a second, I'm gonna make myself some grape juice. (laughs) Squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. Oh, I gotta have a Squeeze, come over here. Hey, I'll tell you what, let's put it on the ground, and you step on it, and then I'll I'll drink it. No.
1: Yeah, your grape yeah, juice is going to turn to hooch. That's all there is to it. You're going to well, have prison wine and, pretty and, and pretty oino, quick. The Greek
2: word oinos is actually it's the same uh Semitic term where we get yayin. So yayin and oinos come from the same uh Semitic word, wine. And it's often paired with with uh the aramaic term you see uh sikara like it, which is beer sometimes it'll say strong drink but right. it's really like fermented barley beverage you know um and that's just that but i think there's other aspects to that too so so no it, it wine is wine wine is fermented grape juice um and one other thing i think that you know i'm a total lightweight caleb has been around me when i've had <laughs> just even a little bit of, of alcohol. I think in that culture too, I think enzymes were different. You know what I mean? I think people's digestive systems were different. So a little bit of wine didn't make someone like drunk. I think that there was a whole different uh, biological kind of, I don't know what you call gut, bacteria and, and, and all this kind of stuff uh, that, that fermentation didn't, didn't, uh, have the impact maybe that it has in other times and places in history, but uh, in any event, it's you know, g- grapes being crushed, stored in um, leather skins is about fermentation and long, right? There's no refrigeration, it's it ferments, right? That's
1: just what it does. And, um, okay. So I take, I, so th- this, this comment actually, uh, took me down a different, a uh, different rabbit trail, which apparently is our theme today. Um, and the reason why is because <clears throat> we've talked for those who are just now finding our, our show after, um,
2: took 10 years, but took here, yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, I, uh, we talk a lot about the, the Roman non. The non just means banquet or dinner. Uh, dinner banquet is what non means. And uh, we see dapnons throughout not only the Roman culture, but we see them in the Bible as well in the Apostolic Scriptures in the New Testament. There are, <clears throat> Dennis Smith, by the way, if you, I, I reference this book every single time. I have it in, in hard copy and in Kindle, it's, uh, it's that good um he he basically did the definitive work um well i shouldn't say that he did the most popular definitive work on um on he kind of ro- set the tone uh, m- meals. and then yeah. other
2: scholars come along on his coattails and then refine and
1: well, well i didn't realize this but essentially his work was uh done in even more uh length and depth but in german before he ever wrote it so anyway not the point I learned that at the SBL this year. Anyway, so uh, not the point. Uh, Dennis Smith did uh, amazing work and his book from uh, from Symposium to Eucharist. is uh, is is well worth the read if you're into that kind of stuff. It's got to be dry and boring for those who are not into that kind of thing. Anyway, so um, have a glass of uh, oinos uh, with uh, you. Uh, yeah, yeah. So so the wine <clears throat> at the at the um, at the Daipnon was all ceremonial. Okay, so the 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 wine was. Give me just a second.
2: Right, Man, the, one s- of the basic things is that if you say, "Hey, come over for dinner," it's not the same thing, right? The date, the date, yeah. non was it wasn't just a word for supper. It had ec- it's people. Oh, it was something. It was like a special event, right? It's a special not, event dinner. Not That's, only, th- it, but it's one n- word.
1: Not only that, but there's all these writings in the ancient world b- prior to the first century that talk about. Um, you know what happens if a person is sat in the wrong place. People are sat according to the the hosts. Uh, what he believes is the get like the guest list of honor, and this is very interesting when we start looking at the Last Supper and the fact that the uh, that the uh, apostles are arguing over who's sitting where, right? Yeah, and Yeshua flips it upside down, right? And so anyway, the point is is that the the wine was always mixed with water, except for. One cup. There was a cup that was uh, not mixed with water. Okay, so this is one of the reasons that people weren't just getting uh, tossed like they do today. Is because knockered. I don't know. Knockered because. <laughs> Ask Ben what the what the uh, yeah, yeah what the, the what, present, what the what, what the kids are saying today. Jesus. Anyway, the uh, uh, people people were mixing their wine. Schnocked. <laughs> All right, the okay, uh, so. people people were mixing their wine well <laughs> with water, and here's the thing: is that there was a uh, cup of wine that was that was uh, poured, and then. Uh, dedicated to a deity in between, so there was different parts of the of the uh, of the non, But there was the meal proper in between the meal proper and the philosophical portion of the meal, which is where someone would give a speech. We see this in John, by the way, in John's gospel, uh, Yeshua gives a a uh, like a speech and and talks from uh, thirteen all the way through seventeen, right? Chapters thirteen through seventeen, he's giving this this uh, this speech at the Last Supper. And in between this portion, this, the, the, the meal proper, and th- this second portion of the, of the deipnon, a, a cup of wine was poured and it was dedicated to a deity. Okay, now this is, I believe this is extremely important because in Luke's gospel, they pour the glass of wine and then it was shared with everyone. Okay, so everyone took part in this, in this, uh, in this cup to the, to the God of the, of the meal. At the end of the Last Supper, what happens? Yeshua pours a glass of wine and he says, and he shares it with, his, with the apostles and he says, do this in remembrance of me. Now this whole phrase is just packed full of, of uh, theological significance. We are to do the Passover. Um, this that is the passover this is it's referred to in exodus as this shall be a memorial throughout your generations so to do this is a is a direct reference to the passover itself do this in remembrance of not some not yhovev he not some god some foreign god elsewhere but do this in remembrance of me the fact that yeshua is using wine here and that it is placed where it is and that he says do this in remembrance of me is in and of itself a declaration of deity he is calling himself vav he if people want to now shift this and say, well, it was, Yeshua wasn't using wine. Well, if that's the case, if he was using Welch's grape juice, let's say, um, it's no longer a date nón. It's no longer the traditional dapnon nón that the that the ancients are using, and it, it no longer is this ceremonial cup of wine being used. Which means this declaration of deity now is not only diminished, but it's taken away. So, yeah, those yeah, well, additional. I mean, just uh, the fact that they're drinking.
2: Let's say, let's say it's we we don't know. Is it is it uh, grape juice or wine during Pesach? Well, either they had when were the grapes harvested last summer. So that means you either have to have refrigeration of grapes through the you know, like you have to wait to, to store grapes and then squeeze them fresh for the Pesach, or. They do what we know traditionally to be done. They're harvested and they're pressed in the same, but they don't put grapes, they don't harvest a bunch of grapes and then store them for like months before they're going to press them. No, it's like, okay, there's an optimal, especially now I'm not a wine connoisseur, but there is an optimal, they, they weren't just making crap wine. Sorry. <laughs> Cop. He said crap. No, I mean this this was a this was a an art they, form, they, right? They, they, did, a... they, did, they didn't
1: put it in they didn't put it in wineskins, they put it in boxes. So they, they, they were they were no, drinking okay. some box wine, right? Come on. Okay. So the idea is
2: is that we need to recognize that the wine, whatever you know, whatever juice of grapes that they were enjoying and that was part of the Passover meal we have to think. Well, where did it come from? Well, it was wine that had been fermenting throughout the winter and into the early spring. Okay, so, so there's no uh, way you can have grape juice uh, unless you have sophisticated refrigeration and so bottling this,
1: techniques. Th- this always this always leads to a conversation that we've had. I, I mean, we've probably done. I say, I say, we've probably done eight shows on this in our in our eleven seasons, maybe even more. Uh, so no, it's okay, Smiley. I'll 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 uh, I'll I'll give you a, I'll give you a, a very quick rundown. Uh, the question by Smiley in the chat room, great name by the way, is this: What do you think of communion? Then, if people think he's referring. To doing communion whenever you want, yeah. Once again, I mean, you can you can go. Uh, we've we've talked just ad nauseum of uh, about th- uh, this subject, uh, and the the basic point that we come to is this: communion is a man made tradition by the church. It is something that is not a uh, commanded by scripture. The, now, if we want to call what Christ is doing and Christ commands us to do as communion, then yes, it is to be done once a year, and it's called Passover in the Bible. We are to do the Passover to Christ, in remembrance of Christ, and the work that he did on the cross. This fits in very well with uh, all sorts of of, uh, theology throughout the Bible, not not the point. Um, Communion is a man-made tradition. It is something that uh, I think the church has put a huge amount of emphasis on, but is not found in, in scripture. And um, people are going to point, of course, to 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, not the point. Um, With that said, I think that uh, there's a lot of of theology that the church has attached, um, you know, transubstantiation and um, the idea of that it's a means of grace and all these all these things. Uh, they've attached this man-made tradition. For the most part, I don't take communion. However, there are some groups that do not place such uh, theological weight on the communion. What they uh, believe is that uh, it is a remembrance of Christ, that, what Christ did on the cross, and they wanna do that as a community. If that is the case, and I, this is something I've had to come to in the past three years, if the case is that, they, that that's what they believe about the communion, I will take communion to show my solidarity with the, with believers and my belief in Christ. However, if they believe that it is a replacement of, of Passover... Right, you're not doing it as a commandment, you're doing it
2: as a custom. Exactly. Whereas Pesach, you would agree, is a commandment.
1: Absolutely. Hmm. And the Lord's Supper is a commandment, right? Right, um, which is so. communion which is Passover, (laughs) right? So, I mean, yeah, We uh, anyway, uh, there are plenty of shows on that. I'm sure you can find them. Uh, Actually, we've done shows on that, I think, recently. I think we've done shows within the past year on uh, that very subject. Okay, let's move on. I wanna go, I wanna go to, I wanna go to this uh, audio clip. Let's go to the audio clip. We got this, this is, now, I, I think I cut the. I think this is from someone named Brandon. So Brandon called in. Now, I have edited this. F- I don't know. I think it was, what, three minutes long originally. I've edited it down to a minute. But I think I got the general gist of what Brandon was saying here. Let's take a listen. Uh, I have a family event that is coming up. One of my
3: wife's family members is in a partnership with another male and um, is very adamant about his, his way of life and pushing it. And also likes to bash Christians as a whole for not being accepting. We have decided not to go to family events anymore because we don't want our children around that to be influenced. There's been family backlash over it and, uh, from profession Christians in the family and they are saying that we're bigots and that we're not loving and, and, and all of that. And so I guess I wanted your opinion on how do we preach to the lost and be around the lost without affecting our children and having them being influenced by them and, and do the right thing and do what we're called to do. You know, Yeshua sat with, ate with, and, and was around sinners and was despised for it by by the Pharisees and Sadducees,
1: but the, the gospel say he was doing a good thing. Okay, so I cut it off there. Um, so... Zumbi, I will get to your comment about uh, Mm -hmm. traveling to Israel, uh, in a little bit. This is a difficult one. And the reason now I was, when I first heard this, Open and shut case, right? Not a problem. However, as I was um, going about my business this morning and, and getting some things for the family prepared, I was thinking about this. And the fact is, is that uh, especially where I live, because I live in Tacoma, Washington, which is extremely liberal, and I mean extremely liberal. Um, so we see a lot of things that I think the rest of the nation, for the most part, don't, unless you're maybe in New York or, or California, maybe Oregon, um, some other places that might be really liberal. But the point is, is that, um, yeah, somebody, Peter in the chat room says, but he didn't have children. Uh, good point. But uh, I think that there's more to it than that. Number one, your children are going to be around the world. You don't have to put them anywhere outside of your normal life, they are going to be in the world, right? Unless you live on a farm out in no man's land, but even then they're going, to, uh, they're, going to be, they're going to experience the world around them. That's all there is to it. And there's been many discussions throughout history on how much of the world children should see. Now, to me, this isn't even a matter of children. To me, this is a matter of my moral, uh, You know where I'm going to stand. Right where I'm going to stand and how I'm going to uh, to to present myself. Now I was thinking about this because you know, as everyone knows who listens to this show, my family, my entire family is wrapped up in in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and uh, the the entire family goes to the gym. We all have we all go to classes except for the two year old. However, she was on the mat the other day with a little two year old little gi on. It was the cutest thing ever. Anyway, not the point. So. Within our gym, we have a lot of wonderful believers. Many pastors uh, roll at our gym, and uh, we have a great group of guys. That we've had, you know, we have a uh, we have a, a chat that has a lot of uh, believers in it, where we are able to pray for each other. People share scripture with each other, so on and so forth. So, I mean, there is a good uh, showing of of Christians in at our gym. With that said, we also have people who are not believers, and we have people who are. Of the LGBTQ bent, and um, so my children you now. Obviously, this is—I would say that this is a little bit different because we're not in a place where we're talking about these kind of things, right? Nobody's rolling around on the ground going, "By the way, I'm—you know—I'm gay and I'm—I'm I'm proud of it," right? That's not—that's not what's happening, and no one's bashing Christians uh, while they roll around either. So, it is a little different. But our children know that there are people of that of that persuasion. Okay. When it comes to sitting down and having meals with people and, um, you know, even family function and things like that, where you're going to have people that are going to be, um, coming against Christ and, and, uh, God in the Bible. When Christ sat down with sinners, what did he always do? He always called them to repentance. You don't see Christ just sitting around and hanging out and being like, "Yeah, good day today, wasn't it?" You know, like, "Oh, so how are you?" And the sinners need a physician, right? The sick need a physician. That's his exactly metaphor. And what ends up happening to the to the sinners that are around Christ? They repent, and they are, or they try to kick him out of the. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, so there's there there's two there's two options here when you're in close relationship like that. And if people want to say, "Well, you're not loving," hey, you know what? I got plenty of scripture, including things that will happen. You know, when Christ comes back, He comes with a sword, and He slaughters. It's not a pretty day. It's not a pretty sight for the sinners that are around. So, I, you know, there is plenty of scripture to back the the notion that uh, to be to be loving is not to accept somebody's sin. That is not loving. To be loving is to say, "Hey, what you're doing is wrong, and it's against it's, it's against what God wants." Now, there are certain times and events and places where it's not going to be appropriate to do that. You know, if you're at a wedding, and well, it sounds like they already know that that's what the Bible says, so it's like exactly, th- that, it's a different
2: uh, in that regard.
1: Yeah, exactly. At at what point do you stop hanging out with people who aren't repentant? And my point is, is it sounds like this person clearly knows that what they're doing is, is wrong, or at least they know that you think it's wrong. Your work here is done. I think it's a better example to say, we're not going to associate with that. Now, I, I want to go back to, you know, there are certain times if you have uh, someone in the family who is, and I, at this point in time, we all do, right? There's, everyone has a friend or a relative who is of that, you know, who is in the world and, and is either extremely accepting or is just, you know, gay. That's, that's how it rolls today. And the thing is, is if I'm at a wedding and all of a sudden my relative who walks in who is you know who is a homosexual, I'm not going to stand up in the middle of the wedding and start preaching to the person. I'm not going to call them to repentance at you know right there and then or even at the reception. There's a time and a place, but that doesn't mean that I need to sit down with my family for table fellowship with uh, to to uh, to just shoot the breeze with people, right? I think that one of the problems that the church has had today, and this is the last thing I'll say, and then I will, uh, then I'll, I'll shift it over to you. I think one of the major problems, and we see we see this a lot. This is going to take me a few minutes, so bear with me here. Driscoll uh, with Mars Hill, you know, when he was when he was in his prime, when he was just coming up, he was in the Seattle area. He was just coming up as a pastor, and and he really got his name. Uh, As you know, the the cursing preacher and all that kind of stuff. He got his name for just being a kind of in your face. I don't care what you think. I'm gonna be. I'm a man's man, and I'm gonna teach men. I'm gonna teach boys how to be men. I'm gonna teach women where they should be. Right now, granted, there's a lot of problems with Driscoll. Don't get me wrong. In fact, I think that uh, I think that that uh, time has proven that he has. He was not. He's a narcissist. Not the point. You see these different ministries. uh, You know, Doug Wilson is another one. You see these ministries of these guys who are kind of in your face. I'm gonna be a, a man's man. And the reason why yeah, they, they why, push it, they're pushing
2: like yeah. a strong masculine. It reminds me of like Peter, what Peter might have been like before Yeshua humbled him a few times. Or the Sons know.
1: of Thunder, right? But the but the point is this. The point is that why why is that attractive to people in the church? It's attractive to me. I'm not gonna lie to you. I find that I find that kind of, you know and the reason why i find that attractive and and is because we live in a culture where people don't want men to be men anymore. We live in a culture where the church just says, "Oh, it's okay. We're just going to roll over. We're going to open our arms to everyone. You know, oh, you're not being loving. Let's just sit down and hold hands and sing kumbaya." No, let's stand up and fight. Let's let's, you know, p- pick up uh, pick up a sword and fight. And I think that that's kind of the, where we, where I think the church is falling is that we are not willing to stand up many times and say, no this is wrong. I don't agree with this. This is the, what the Bible says. And I'm going to stand by this. And because of that, we are, are, the, the church is, is continuing to fall into this kind of mammy, pam the whatever, you know, we'll roll over and we'll hug anybody that needs a hug. Sometimes you need to put up some fists and fight. And I think that that in these instances we need to stand grounds. Rob,
2: um, I I understand the the basic. It, if I understand the voicemail, yeah, I think it was a guy named Brandon. So thanks for the for letting us, you know, kind of hear about the situation. What I take away is that Brandon, you have two fronts here. Well, three. You have you have, your head of the household for your for your. <clears throat> wife and kids and I think I think you've made the right decision for the time being Um, and I would just say you have outside of that you have two fronts you have the larger just kind of shelf the this the certain lifestyle person off it sounds like you're also among other professing believers but there's not a unified understanding of the place of the word of God in the lives of your of these other believers and so there that's one conversation to be had is you with them and that has nothing to do with this this other element is just exposing a um yeah a fracture that's already present yep but kind of gets why it gets swept under the rug you know because we're just family and we love each other and we're nice to each other and we like to get together and have fun kind of thing so this this other thing has come and it's exposed this division spiritually that's there now. So that's one question is just to, that one conversation you can have is like, okay, what? And you can talk about this with your wife and pray about it. But it's like, what is your best, you know, kind of thought about God's will for that relationship for you and 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 your believing your. What do you call extended family believers? What's your what is God's will for that? And you can be very prayerful about that. And in and what are, you know, what are the, the relationships there that have a secure kind of connection that that is based on mutual faith that can build? And where are there people that are might be just kind of plain Christian, but they're not really, you know, they're kind of superficially Christian and may and and so there's gonna be that landscape. So that's one area. Then the other is you and this family member of your wife. And you can do the same thing. You can talk with your wife and pray about it. It's like, what, is there an opportunity where you could say, hey, uh, can I take you out to lunch? Just you and me. And can we talk? And, and maybe and that's just, been done. Yeah, sorry? Maybe that's been done. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe it has, but but at least that would be something that would be on the map of possible ways forward to, to just say, look, I'm not here to preach. Um, uh, I'm, you know, this is the situation. We've got these family get togethers, da da da, And it sounds like, you know, you, you would say this is, you know, things have you've said, certain things about the Bible or God or Christ or whatever. And, um, you know, and you can just ask about those things and then, and just ask questions and get to, you know, maybe, but then you're like, you know, are you, are you really going to listen, you know, or you, cause you don't want to just, you're not trying to pick a fight. You're not trying to escalate something. You're actually just trying to understand. There's probably some deeper stuff, deeper wounding, deeper kind of stuff that is, that is behind that. Now it doesn't mean he's going to change his lifestyle or anything like that. But you can at least, you know, there's an opportunity there for you to represent what a believer in Yeshua, how a how a believer in Yeshua behaves towards a, a person that uh, absolutely rejects the gospel. And you can do that and show patience and humility and um, care. But that is not, I, I would just say that you don't have to have an unlimited supply of care. You don't have to have an unlimited supply of patients, but it would just be say, look, cause you can then say, you know, well, and then the other thing is just, there's that again, Caleb already touched on it. There's the age appropriateness too. Um, and, and age appropriate exposure to things of the world, right? So, you know, um, and that's just something also you, you got to work out. But basically the question is this, is there any, it are there are all opportunities of building forward off the table, you know, but even forget, if, even if you decide we're not going to go to any more family things where this guy's there, which is a totally legitimate decision, and and you just decide you're not going to ever associate with him, that's fine. That leave there still is work to be done. With among the families, family members that are believers that are accusing you of uh, misinterpreting the gospel or misinterpreting the Bible. That's that still is going to be
1: an issue. So that's about it. Yeah, but it, but to me, to me personally, you want to believe that? That's fine. We can talk about that, but I'm not going to budge on that. that. I mean, that's where I stand the ground. As soon as other believers now are saying, well, you're not being loving about it. Okay, you can believe whatever you want to about that. Let's sit down and talk about it. Let's pull out the word and see what Christ says about it. Let's see what, what God says about it and see what side of the line you, as a believer, are going to fall on. To me, that's the, that's where it lands. I want to go back to <clears throat> our previous conversation. Zumbi did a follow-up question on our um, on our comment about Passover could you also comment on how we can keep the feasts without traveling to Jerusalem? Okay, so uh, it is a common misperception that, uh, that people from all around the world would travel to um, Jerusalem uh, during the three festivals. Uh, we know that this is not true, and we know it's not true from multiple witnesses. Christ was in Egypt when he was a little baby, um, and he did not come for the festivals. Uh, Paul was in Arabia for 13 years. He did not come back for the festivals. He was also in Ephesus during one of the, during the Passover. Um, so that's not, so this is simply to say that the, uh, um, the, the, the pilgrimage festivals, it seems were intended for people in the land. And if people lived in the land, but they were away for a, for a long travel, they could come back and and celebrate it the next the next month. But ultimately if I live in, let's say it's the first century, I live in Washington state, which is not a state at the time, but obviously I live that far away. There was no, there was no idea that I'm going to travel three times a year to Jerusalem. That's number one. Number two, um, how do we, so, so all that to say, no, I don't think that uh, we would be required to travel to Jerusalem at least not with the way that it seems it was in the first century. Um, how do we celebrate the festival now? Well, obviously we don't have a lamb. We wouldn't have a lamb even if we were in Jerusalem. So the point is, is that we do as much as we can. And this is a scriptural, uh, uh, this is, has scriptural support. It says in Deuteronomy 30, when you are in the land of your enemies, where I've sent you, I'm paraphrasing a bit. And you recall all of the commandments that I have commanded you today and do them then I will bring you back. Well, how is it that we can do all of the commandments if we're not in the land? If we're in the land of the enemies uh, of our enemies and we are not in, in the land and we don't have a temple with us, how are we doing all of the commandments that God has commanded us today in the book of Deuteronomy? And I think the point is is that it is a heart issue and it is a issue of how we attempt to, uh, to fulfill what we are able to fulfill in the land that we're in. And so ultimately, I would say, uh, we do what we see in the, in the Bible. We, uh, we st- study the scriptures, we have a meal with, our, with uh, close friends and relatives. We uh, remember uh, Christ and the work that he did, right? Do this in remembrance of me. And outside of that, there's not a whole lot of laws. There's not a whole lot that uh, you're restrained by. Um, except for the fact that we are to commemorate it. We're supposed to eat unleavened bread. That's a commandment. You know, this gets back to the
2: catecho uh, or the, the catechism idea, is that the the Torah itself is a yearly cyclical catechism. And and the, it goes hand in hand. And, and the idea is we have the pillars that we rehearse and, and review and talk about and study at certain times of the year. And it is a environment of rich spiritual growth that is unending. Um, And it keeps us, whether you're on, for example, some do a one-year Torah portion cycle, some do a three-year. But that repetition, year in, year out, is like uh, an ongoing, lifetime catechism process.
1: So um, anyway, I just thought that that tied back. Kingdom Seekers has some great questions here. We'll probably end the show with this. You know, we've been all over the board here. If you're, if this is the first time you've been with us, this is not normally how it goes. We're not normally this off script, but that's okay. You know what? It's our show. We can do what we want. Um, so uh, Kingdom Seekers, got six, can permission. you... Yeah, exactly. Can you share a specific example of when one of you guys witnessed to someone, how did it go? Okay. I will. I'll tell you one where I just, the Mormon kids came
2: up and I, I just started talking to them like, like an hour goes by and they're like, um, we got to go for
1: us. Oh, nice. (laughs) Nice. You better, even better. Um, so, yeah, my, I mean, I'm not going lie to lie here and, and, and make it seem like I'm out handing out tracks all the time. The, I was thinking about this this morning when I, so I ran to the store this morning to grab milk uh, so I could make my, my wife her espresso, espresso this morning. Um, and I was thinking be about- called a latte. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that is true. Um, I was thinking about how I kind of live in a bubble. You know, I live in a, in a circle of friends. Now, granted that circle of friends, um, is expands depending on what you're doing. You know, our, our circle of friends greatly expanded when we joined a jujitsu gym and so there have been times now a lot of that is uh, my witnessing, uh, there is really just trying to, I play a game with myself, uh, while I'm talking to people and it is, well, the Bible says. So uh, what I say is, I'll you know people will say something, and I will always say, well, I always go back to the Bible. That's my intro line to it. So if I'm if you're ever around me and you hear me say, well, I always go back to the Bible, you know that I'm actually playing this game in my head, and the uh, the, the game is how many times can I bring the conversation back to the Bible? So that's one of the things now. I'm not necessarily saying, "Hey, you need to repent." Hey, this is the gospel message, or anything like that. All I'm saying is, well, I always go back to the Bible, and the Bible says, and then I'll try to reference the Bible in some way in the conversation, and uh, so that's one of the that's one of the things that I do. But I'm it's not like I'm witnessing to people. All the time. However, I think that it is good for us to try to witness the people every single day. The one that comes to mind, I think, the 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 most uh, in, and this was a long time ago. Uh, this is I don't know, maybe ten years ago, but the, the the what maybe maybe a little less than that. I was uh, sitting with someone uh, and they were uh, homosexual, and uh, her it was both of them. Uh, these two these two ladies I was sitting with, and they were. Uh, talking about how they were raised in religious homes, and um, I could tell, you know, as we were talking, I could tell that there was a lot of trauma from on both sides, um, and I think that oftentimes, if not most of the time, sin is is often a. Uh, it's a symptom of something that, that is deeper, right? So a lot of the time people fall into sin because they are trying to deal with something in the wrong way instead of turning to God. And so uh, this woman said to me, well, you know, the, the Bible says that you're supposed to stone homosexuals. Do you, you, know, do you, you don't think that it's wrong to be a homosexual, do you? Now, this is, the, this is the moment, right? This is the moment where in my mind, I have two directions I can go. I can uphold what the Bible says, or I can try to pander and make this person feel good. And I think most of the people who have heard me talk enough are going to uh, know which direction I, I went. Um, I said, well, you know, I, the Bible is, is, in my mind, the Bible is always right. And the fact is, is that we, as uh, uh, everyone is a sinner. I was born a sinner. Um, I ha- struggle with my own sin. And it's not, uh, I'm not any better than anyone else. However, um, you know, we are called to repent and to come to Christ and he will forgive us of our sins. And so, uh, you know, I had, uh, another guy, I'm just trying to think of, of recent, something more recent. I had a guy who lives right behind me. He said, well, you, you're a pastor, right? (laughs) I said, well, yeah, I was, this is actually recent. This is a couple months ago. Not even that. He said, well, I got, uh, when I take my walks, I, uh, I, you know, I walk my dog and there's this guy, he's a Lutheran pastor. And he told me, if you don't repent, you're going to hell. Now I'm a good person. You don't, what do you think of that? You don't think I'm going to hell, do you? I mean, I'm a good person. (laughs) And I said, well, uh, you know, uh, I I think it it all depends on what, you know, and I kind of, I kind of stopped because he took me off guard and so he kind of walked away, and I thought, that was not the right answer. Whatever I said to him, he walked away thinking, yeah, because he said, well, yeah, I, I think I'm good. I'm good. And he walked away. And I, I mean, boy, was I convicted on that one. And I thought, man, how did I fumble that so greatly? So the next time I saw him, I walked up to him. I said, Jim, you know, last time you asked me, you said, hey, uh, I'm a good person. I, I'm going to heaven, Right. You know, I thought a lot about what you said, and I thought a lot about my answer. And what I'll tell you is this. I always go back to the Scriptures. (laughs) I always go back to the Scriptures, and the Scriptures say, all have fallen and fallen short of the glory of God. And the only way to make yourself come back from that is to have faith in Christ. And so, you know, I don't know what your relationship is with Christ, but I would say that if you haven't, you know, if you haven't... uh, become friends with Christ and asked him to forgive you of your sins, then then that's something you need to do. And, you know, I thought that he we would have a conversation about that because he's a neighbor of mine. And instead he said, well, I think I'm good. <laughs> okay. That's, you know, at that point, I've, you know, and I here's the thing. There there comes a point where I will push enough on somebody. And then it's time to pull back. And the reason why is because I'm, I got to see that guy. I got to see that guy all the time. So there's going to be more times for me. You know, he wants to build a fence with me this summer. Great. I'm going to have more opportunities to talk to him. So it's not like that's the, uh, that's the, the, the end. That's not the end of the conversation. So, the, the, you know, all of this comes yeah, down you to, don't to... You don't have to say everything. R- exactly. In one minute. And, and I, I want to mm-hmm. be clear. I, I don't think I'm the model. Of, of evangelism. I, I don't think that. Um, I, and I, I, I know that I fall in that. So big words, but maybe not as big an action on my part, which is something that I am desperately working on. In fact, uh, I, the next class I want to take at Southern, if the Lord allows me to, is on personal evangelism. And um, I got all the books for it and everything, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to take, take that class, because I think it will actually help me. But I will say that I think that I need, uh, to be better at trying to start those conversations. Anyway, the, the one thing that I do is, uh, I do try to play the game Well, I always go back to the Bible. Okay. Um, I'm trying just to look over the comments and see if there's anything that we missed. You guys have been having Rob's been in the chat room. Oh my word. You know what that means. We've lost him. Okay. We're gonna call it right there. Um, okay. It's been uh, it's been fun. It's been real, and, and we had yeah. some
2: great questions on the on the ticket here. So, um, yep,
1: yeah, but, exactly. But and hopefully, we
2: Lord willing, we can touch on those next week.
1: Yeah, and not only that, but uh, I our, was like, I was like, ready for some other stuff too. But that's good. Uh, well, we'll bring it up next week, and not only that, but we uh, we do need more more conversation starters. See, hey, getourresource Send your questions. They need to your go to comments. eleven. This one goes to 11. That's right, Uh, seehagatorresource.com. That's the email address, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. That is our message machine. Please do not forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. It does help us. If you are already subscribed, please like this video. That helps us as well. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well, you know why. Because Messiah matters.